Bankruptcy is looming for local authorities across the north. Bradford and Cheshire East are the latest to announce financial woes, and they won't be the last in 2024. I'm David Tame, Analysis Editor at Place North, and in today's Place podcast, the first of the new year, we're asking how local authority finances got this bad and why the property market should care. The cancellation of the High Speed 2 rail link appears to have claimed a significant scalp, Cheshire East Council. The local authority, whose area includes Crewe, is now facing the local authority equivalent of bankruptcy, a Section 114 notice, after it had to write off £8 million of the £11 million it spent preparing for the arrival of the special bullet trains. Bradford City Council's story is perhaps more typical. A £73 million funding gap in 22-23 is ballooning to £103 million in 23-24. Inflation, hardly the council's fault, if responsible for £58 million of that growth. Then, on the long list of local authorities in trouble, there's Middlesbrough, Kirklees, there's dozens of these names. So why is this happening? The problem is fairly simple. Central government has cut the block grant it provides local councils, whilst forbidding councils to raise council tax to replace it. The Local Government Association estimates that the gap between spending and income is around £4 billion between now and the 2025 budget process. In response, councils have made cuts and relied on their reserves, but after years of digging into their savings, some councils have, in context, microscopic sums in the bank. For instance, after taking its HS2 hit, Cheshire East would be down to £6 million. Uh, Not every local authority is as damaged by these things, of course. M- Manchester looks like it's in a similar position. It spent £3.3 million on HS2 and has a deficit after savings but before using reserves of just over a million. But Manchester has a good deal more in the bank. So with no reserves left to plunder or very limited reserves, the only option is massive cuts, asset sales, that means land and property, or the Section 114 Notice Bankruptcy. The Section 114 Notice is actually issued by the Council's Chief Financial Officer, not by a politician, when expenditure very obviously exceeds income. Councillors then have 21 days to sort the problem out. In the meantime, no new spending can be approved. Spending is limited to statutory services or existing contracted commitments. So does all this mean there's going to be a massive fire sale? a sell-off of land and property from council portfolios. Well, maybe. Some local authorities are already talking in these terms. Uh, Bradford's ruling executive is, for instance, and this is a quote, considering ways to balance the books alongside the development of a significant savings plan, says the council's uh, financial officer's report, is the development of a comprehensive transformation programme and a plan for the disposal of council-owned land and assets. So it's pretty clear that they they are thinking of a sellout. If they are, Bradford won't be alone, and it will have to involve the government via a process called capitalisation directions. Now, these directions, not issued very often, come from Whitehall and are frequently branded or marketed as bailouts. But bailouts couldn't be further from the truth, because what these directions amount to is permission to spend council's own capital resources. So, for instance, Wirral Council was given a capitalisation direction in 21-22 for £6.4 million. A £6.4 million bailout? No, no, no. This allowed them to treat day-to-day expenditure on services as if it were capital spending. 
In return, the government required Wirral to work on a plan for the generation of additional capital receipts, either through asset disposals or changes to its capital programme. And the change in my tone of voice tells you I was quoting there. Um, so the council were allowed to spend the additional money, hardly a bailout. Now, if the current crisis leads to land and property sales, I think we're going to find it's rather a slow process. Major authorities with the potentially most desirable assets are, on the whole, the ones that have the largest reserves in any case, and the ones like least likely to sell them, because their portfolios are already generating income. In other words, they own good stuff. Thus, Manchester facing potential budget shortfalls rising from 46 million next year to 105 million by 26-27 is looking at what they call a new medium-term financial plan. Uh, the council's cabinet looked at this in December, and it might point towards asset disposals one day. Of course, the council is already squeezing its property income as much as it can. Uh, income from rentals at Manchester Airport, the ground rent portfolio secured against long lease held disposal of land at Victoria North is also generating income. So that portfolio is working. They won't be looking to sell it off. And besides, the council have other objectives like regeneration and the future of the city, which means they won't, on the whole, want to get rid of assets. So expectations of asset sales are, I think, low. But they hover in the background for all the region's local authorities. And you don't have to do a lot of phoning around to find senior officials and the consultants who advise them who are involved in this kind of contingency planning. No doubt some councils will turn to the private sector to help lever solutions to their regeneration problems, as they always have. But the opportunities these present to the property business are dwarfed by the problems caused by hobbled local councils who are understandably preoccupied with the survival of basic services and with little time, flexibility, or wiggle room. Whether a change of government makes much difference here, whether a new Labour government will stump up the billions needed to change this situation quickly or at all remains to be seen. Your weekly look at who's going up and who's going down. And there are two things you probably should not ignore in the coming year. Student housing is attracting yet more big money and the gravity-defying hotel sector continues to rise. Doors closing, going up. Aviva investors agreed to buy a 240 million uh, student bed portfolio amounting to about 1,800 student places including two 400-plus hubs in our region, one in Newcastle and one in Liverpool, along with a smaller outfit in Durham. The Liverpool buy, uh, which sounds like a bit of a bargain, also came with a Premierian hotel and a little, so uh, well done, Aviva. The deal with CBRE Investment Management comes as investors reckon the continued shortage of UK student beds makes it a safe inflation-hedging bet. Uh... This development is part of a load of others, particularly in Leeds. The car park at Joseph's Well, the Park Lane office building, is being prepped for a 14-storey PBSA scheme uh, by developers Pullens. If planners agree, it could see 242 new student rooms in this kind of super hot 
student housing market, the loss of 81 parking spaces, which is what this scheme involves, will hardly be noticed. On a similar theme, a few days earlier, town centre securities, also in Leeds, of course, decided to add 1,100 student beds to their new residential wing at the Marriott Centre, uh, carved out of the former Wade House office block in this case. As we've reported, Place Yorkshire has reported research commissioned by Cushman and Wakefield in support of the application said there was potential demand for around another 26,000 new student beds in Leeds. So no wonder this one is tipped for upwards movement in the place elevator. Leeds hotels also going up. We saw a fascinating data drop from Knight Frank and their companions hot stats on the regional hotel market in the days before Christmas. This is the UK Hotel Trading Performance Review 2023, if you want to Google it. The background is that hotel room occupancy is up in the regions. And for the first time in a while, it's also up in London too, which is interesting. Average daily room rates are rising and increased prices imposed by operators are sticking. Regional average daily room rates have nudged above £100 for the first time ever, as far as we can tell. And yes, occupancy is still a shade under pre-pandemic 2019 levels, but everything is pointing in the right direction. However, if you do Google that report and you scroll down to page 30, then the real fun begins. There's two tables you need to have a look for. One is a lagging indicator and one is a forward-looking indicator. The lagging indicator shows the volume of newly built rooms as a proportion of the active hotel market in each city. So it tells us what investors and hoteliers were thinking two or three years ago when they started to make the plans that are coming to fruition now. What it shows is a slowdown in development in Manchester where the active supply pipeline promises to add 6.9% to the city's total supply of hotel rooms. And it shows an absolutely monster acceleration in Leeds where it's 14.2% 14.2% up. There's growth too in Liverpool, up about 7%, and in York, up about 5%. But revenue per available room is more of a forward-looking indicator. And looking at this, what it suggests is that developers and investors will have some interesting decisions to make about where they invest tomorrow. Here, the data from Hotstats and Mike Frank compares 2019 figures to 2023. And what it shows is that Manchester's revenue per available room, RIPPAR, has barely moved up from about £79 to £82 in the course of best part of four years. York, likewise, £80 to £83, and Liverpool, a little but not a lot, £72 to £79. Yet in Leeds, the figure has stormed up £59 to £74. More hotel development in Leeds is the inevitable result of this kind of data. So that's it for this week. We've gone up in the elevator, we've looked at local authority finances, and we're not expecting a massive and hasty asset sell-off. For more about the built environment in the north, visit placenorth.co.uk. I've been and still am David Tame, and I'd like to thank you for listening. (music) 